I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Serena Anthony is Chief People Officer for Group M North America. Serena is an expert people management professional with over 20 years of experience in human resources, strategy working across complex, disparate ecosystems, where she demonstrates her true capabilities as an innovative thinker and change maker in the field. As a member of Group's North America Executive Committee, Serena is a key player in designing, driving, and championing Group's people strategy. With a passion for diversity and inclusion programming and a focus on culture, Serena aims to position Group as an employer of choice. Before joining Group M in 2018, Serena held multiple senior roles in executive people leadership at Adventura and the Canadian Broadcasting Company. CBC, where she drove the ongoing people and business transformation at one of the largest media companies in Canada. Oh, please welcome to the show, Serena Anthony. Hi, McKinney. Very nice to meet you. Hi, Serena. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story and your journey with us. I'm excited to jump right in. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. No problem. I love to start the show with getting to know your backstory. And before we get to, you know, how you got to where you are presently, just so that we can connect the dots of who you wanted to be before society or culture or maybe your family um, had any influence on you, I would love to know what you wanted to be as a little girl and what you were like as a teenager. Ah, that's a great question. Um, what was I like as a little girl and what did I want to be? Um, I was Well, I always aspired to, I was a very big personality, always extroverted, always received report cards that said, you know, Serena has a lot of potential, but she really needs to rein it in in the class and focus. <laughs> She's way too social. So I knew that whatever it is um, that I was 
destined to do would require me, you know, be in an extroverted space. So brought, I, you know, I used to watch the news, CBC with my, with my parents as uh, they were immigrants uh, to Canada. And that was the channel that was always on in our home. And I was destined and determined at that young age to be a broadcaster, a news broadcaster, an entertainment broadcaster. But that was, that was the dream. I didn't end up becoming a broadcaster, but I did end up working in broadcasting, which was ironic. Um, <laughs> and as a teenager, I was, um, I think I would like to think I was fairly innocent. Um, you know, I had very strict Indian parents uh, growing up. So, you know, my leeway was very limited. Um, my father used to drop and pick me up from school every single day. He was a very overprotective dad. Um, I was your normal teenager. I was, I had lots of friends. I was very, very social. I stayed out of trouble for the most part. And that was me as a teenager. My parents, I, I tell them, I remind them all the time. They were very lucky to have me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you mentioned that you always wanted to get into broadcasting and you didn't end up becoming a broadcaster, but you worked for a station. So let's get into a little bit of how you got to where you are today. Give us the Coles Notes version of your sure. story. Sure. So my story is, I, I always like to start with um, what I care about the most, which is I am a mother and a wife. I am. I have two young daughters. They're both 11. I have identical twin girls. They are the most important things in my universe. They pretty much drive everything I aspire to do and are pretty much my be all and end all. Love them very much. I've been in the profession of human resources for I'm going to age myself, but uh, close to 25 years. And I landed in the profession in a very n normal way. I, I was uh, struggling with what I wanted to do within my future. I was, I was doing a Bachelor of Arts, and I didn't know where I wanted to go next. I read an ad in the newspaper, and now I'm really aging myself. And it was for an HR manager for Sony Music Canada. And I remember seeing it and reading through the job description and what they were looking for. And I was like, that's me. And I, I think this is what I can, you know, and I kind of just pivoted while in university and turned my attention to, a, you know, a specification in HR. Um, and then I kind of just worked my way up. I started in entry level sort of payroll and uh, and took one opportunity sort of after the other to grow. So payroll, became a generalist, you know, became a practitioner, an HR business partner, moved into management and uh, worked in various places, uh, different industries. But I did spend the bulk of my career at the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. I, I was there for almost 12 years. I started as an HR business partner, and I, I ended uh, my tenure at the CBC as the interim head of HR, uh, running the people function for English services, so about 7,000 people. Wow. Um, yeah, that's been my journey. I was uh, post-CBC. I, I left the organization in not a good way, <laughs> um, in, in actually a pretty traumatic way and decided that I was done with the corporate world and that I was going to take some time and sit with my children. And so they were five at the time. I decided I'm going to, you know, be at home with them, really invest in them, spend the time that I had missed while, you know, running an HR function for a very complicated, very matrix organization. And um, very shortly thereafter, I realized that I, I couldn't do the stay-at-home mom thing. I commend everyone that can because <laughs> it's the hardest job in the world. 
Um, but I realized that I needed to do more from a professional standpoint to keep me stimulated so that I could be the best mom that I wanted to be. And I decided to go into business for myself. So I started a consulting practice. And ironically, all of my first clients were former CBC executives that had gone on to do other things. Um, So it was sort of a natural in for me, which I'm super appreciative of. Um, And my business started to take off and I was doing very well and I was able to maintain flexibility so that I could still prioritize my girls. And that went well. But I think I started to miss, you know, that corporate connection of feeling like you belong to an organization and that you're invested as a consultant. It's a little bit of a different dynamic. So I got two years into my consulting practice. I was I started to explore opportunities, but I wanted to be really selective about where I was going to land. Um, I had learned a lot over my career journey, and I realized that you know, it was equally important to me to interview the organization as it was for them to sort of, you know, determine I was the right person. So I was selective. I ended up taking the wrong job as a vice president of uh, people and culture for a small tech company uh, that was scaling very fast. Um, It was an incredible opportunity, but within five minutes of being there, I realized that they didn't believe in sort of actually giving the head of people a proper seat at the table. And and because of that, there was a values disconnect. So within three months, I was already sort of of the mindset that I had made the wrong call and that I needed to look for something else. And then this opportunity at Group M, which is where I am right now, um, sort of landed on my lap. The stars aligned. Somebody reached out to me. It was perfect timing. And I, uh, one thing led to another. After my first interview with the CEO, I received an offer before I'd even gotten home. So <laughs> it was an amazing thing because Almost five years later, I'm still here. I used to, uh, I was the chief people officer for Group M Canada. I'm now uh, a year and a half in. I was promoted to chief people officer um, for Group M North America. So we were, yeah, so I'm in this role based out of New York, but still living in Toronto. And I'm actually having the time of my life. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's my story. (laughs) There's so much there that I want to unpack. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) Okay, so let's start with, I guess you said when you left CBC, you left, you know, it was kind of traumatic. So because the show's focus is about healing, let's touch on that and then how you work through that. And then um, we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, so as I mentioned, I was on a, a fast track at the CBC. I would never typically spend 12 years with one company. I, I used to be of the mindset that, you know, in order to progress and stay current, you needed to explore opportunities every two to three years. Um, and prior to landing at the CBC, I'd done exactly that. When I did arrive at the CBC, as I mentioned, every year and a half to two years, I was presented with a new opportunity. Uh, They had identified me as high potential, which was great because I was very committed to my job and I put a lot of uh, my heart and soul into what I do. And I was promoted from, you know, HR business partner to manager quickly and then grew from there. Towards, you know, the later part of my tenure at the CBC, um, we had a really big scandal, which is not, it's very public uh, and it it involved uh, one of our hosts 
uh, Gian Gomeshi. It was sort of the biggest scandal, I think, in Canadian history involving uh, a high profile host. And I will tell you, I was not involved in the investigation that took place related to Gomeshi. But my boss was. And sadly, as a result of sort of how things went uh, with that investigation, the company decided to part ways with my boss. And and when they did, I was put into uh, the leadership position to lead the people function for English services. And at that time, I was I inherited a very broken team an organization that, you know, had gone through quite a bit um, publicly as a result of what was happening internally and uh, an environment of employees that just weren't feeling engaged. Um, I inherited a team of very broken HR practitioners. We saw a lot of turnover through that time. And, it, you know, when I was appointed to the role, my preoccupation was a, sort of a rebuild. And because I am a very committed person when it comes to work, I kind of went all in. I was very invested. I lived, slept, breathed, CBC. Everyone would say it's in your blood and it genuinely was. And I I learned from that. We can talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, I did the job. I did it for about a year and a half. My vice president appointed me, felt that I was best suited to lead the the team and, and the organization at that time. And she ended up leaving as a result of burnout from everything that had gone on. And uh, eventually we had a new leader and she was uh, based on the Quebec side. And she came in with a very different vision, some biases around what had transpired prior to her arrival. And I ended up getting really sick, physically sick. I needed to take some time off to address my health. And when I came back, Things had changed, and I I wasn't quite clear on what that was, and I was put on a paid leave of absence as they reviewed something related to me that I was Mm -hmm. unaware of, Mm -hmm. and uh, and that was a very confusing, very shocking time for me. What ended up happening as a result is I I ended up losing my job in in a in a not great way. And it was tied to, you know, conspiracy and trying to figure out how to get me out when I had had the track record I had. And it kind of came out of nowhere. And it was something that really shook me. It Mm -hmm. was the rug that had been pulled out from under me. And I ended up in a very bad place as a result. Um, So... When I did leave the CDC, I decided that I needed to pursue the organization because of a, a very wrongful dismissal. I had a lot of support internally from executives who were blown away by what had happened and didn't understand the decision. Um, but essentially, they wanted to go in a different direction, didn't know how to part ways with me, especially after I had shown up and led the team and had been on this trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. So there was some bad behavior on the part of leaders and a decision was made to, to exit me as a result. And that's sort of what happened. My healing journey beyond that was a long one, a lengthy one. I had sworn to myself that I was never going back to the corporate world. Um, I believe very strongly in my personal values. I've always operated with a high level of integrity. Um, I was embarrassed 
by the dismissal. I was broken because I had genuinely, you know, I genuinely had CBC in my veins. Everything I ever did was in the best interest of the organization. And to be painted with a brush that was so opposite of who I was was traumatic for me. Very. I was sure that I was never going to get another job. I was certain that I needed to just change industry altogether. I contemplated real estate. I was go- I was prepared to go in a totally different direction. I did spend some time speaking to counselors and and seeking the the guidance. Um, to kind of get through the period because I still needed to be on for my children and family. And it was tough. It affected my health in a really negative way. And I think my biggest takeaway from that experience was, and I remember my mom saying, never get so attached, never get so invested that something like this can can actually throw you so far off course and Mm -hmm. destabilize you in a way that you don't think you can bounce back from. And there's so many layers there and I, you know, we can unpack them, but I remember feeling so broken. And I, and, and my husband at the time had said to me, this is a job. This is, this is just your job. Your mm-hmm. children are healthy. You're for the most part healthy. I've got some health things here and there. And, you know, you have your family intact and you have a loving, amazing, extended family. You're good. Mm-hmm. You're good. You will bounce back from this. But there were so many things that I just couldn't get past. Uh, my principles, my values were, were not allowing me to accept that there are people in this world that are going to mistreat you mm-hmm. and that are going to have bad intentions where you're concerned. And you just have to move on, move past it, not be so stuck in the why. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, Wow. I'm I'm sorry you had to experience that. And I can't even imagine being a mom of twins and having to deal with that type of stress at work and how that can affect you. Like people don't acknowledge the stress levels that impact you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually right. from you know the work that you do. And when your character is being put on the line, then even though it's just work, it's your character, right? It, right? So I can totally empathize with you with that. And, you know, good on you for getting the support that you need to get through that. And I guess for any of the women that are are listening, uh, what advice would you give to a woman who is in a difficult position at work? Um, what advice would you give them in terms of prioritizing their self-care and their mental health? I would offer the same you know, advice that my mom sort of gave me after the fact. And that is, you know, it's one, I think one perspective is everything. And keeping perspective in every situation is priority. When you have a family, when you're a mother and you have commitments outside of work and you've got, you know, those pressures, that's life. That's real life. Your job is very important and always will be. It's where we spend the bulk of our time. But perspective, nothing is indefinite and things can change in an instant. Mm -hmm. And you have to set yourself up, invest in your self-care, you know, utilize resources that you can get through your EAP programs like counseling, even if it's for no reason. 
-hmm. You know, I, I continued on with my therapy and counseling well when I was in a great place. And I think it just helped me stay in a great place. And when I was having challenges, I continued to, to speak to my therapist because it was, it was healthy for me to do that. And yeah. so my, my advice to anybody going through a really tough time at work is really take the time to assess and unpack what you're feeling and why. And, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, attaching yourself to an organization where your values are fully aligned. And not everyone can, you know, it, it, it depends on circumstances. If we're struck, if we need to put food on the table, you might, mm -hmm. you might suck up some of the things that you have to deal with at work. And, and I recognize that and I've been there. And my advice would be perspective. Focus on what's actually really important to you. Stay true to your values. When there are issues, surface them professionally. You know, find somebody at, in the workplace that you can see as a mentor, as a confidant. You know, people feel like they can't necessarily approach senior people in organizations to ask them to be a mentor and be a sounding board and maybe do a coffee once every quarter, I can tell you that very rarely will somebody say, no, I can't be that for you. Wow. Um, because having somebody in the workplace that is senior, that can sort of provide you with advice and guidance will help you through those difficult times at work and you should leverage them. That's my advice. Great advice. Great advice. Listening to your story and I guess all of the things that you have on your plate, how do you, I don't like to use the word balance because I no longer believe there's such thing, but how no. do you find, <laughs> how do you find <laughs> harmony in, you know, harmony. being a mom of identical twins and a wife and being a leader in the corporate space and all yeah. that you do, like, how do you find harmony in that? I'm still trying to find harmony. <laughs> uh, balance is doesn't exist. So I definitely don't have balance. And balance is, is different for everybody, right? There's your, your own personal norm. Um, it, it's a struggle. Mother's guilt is a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, feeling like you're not, you know, that's where I feel probably the most guilt. Um, I'm, I'm very, I care about my kids very much, obviously. And when I can't be with them, I feel badly about that. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a lot of self-talk that's needed and a lot of communication around sort of, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. And guys, this is what's in it for you. And this, and, and, and I, and I over communicate with my children. <laughs> I, I really do. Um, it balance has been, it, I think balance and harmony are going to be an, ongoing struggle for most people in in this place right because you've got the executive commitments which i can tell you are are extensive and a lot of pressure um, you've got your home commitments and feeling like you're present with your children and not on your phone 24 7 which i which they happily call me out on <laughs> mom you're on your phone you're always on your phone are you married to your phone you know, I've got these sassy 11-year-olds that think they're 25. You're clearly married to your phone, right? And and I'll say, and and it'll be a, re a reminder that when I'm here with the kids, and even if it's just for two hours, you know, after school until, you know, six, dedicated, undivided attention. And mm -hmm. when I'm in, you know, because what I end up doing is I try to overcompensate. Mm -hmm. And that's not the right thing to do either. So I if I'm traveling in New York one week, and I'm usually gone Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
then when I'm home, I try to be everything to everyone. And Mm -hmm. I end up neglecting myself in that process because my guilt is saying, you you didn't see your kids for three days and in two weeks, you're going to be gone again. So let's just be at every soccer game, be at every piano recital, you know, go to every school activity and make sure you don't miss a beat. Drop the kids to school in the morning, pick them up, be that person. And then, but nobody's saying, okay, wait, you just work and you travel for a living, which is already exhausting. Mm -hmm. You come back, you need some Serena time, like take a break, (laughs) go to the spa. Um, You know, so I'm consciously trying to be a little bit more deliberate around, yes, I haven't been with you for, you know, three days. I'm going to come pick you, drop you to school. I'm going to pick you up. But then I'm going out to dinner with some girlfriends tonight. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Mommy needs that. Mommy needs that, you know. And yeah. those are some of the, the things that we have to consciously allow ourselves to do and not feel an immense amount of guilt because of it. Yeah. And I, I can tell that your role as a mother is very important to you. And that's like you know, one of your main priorities. I'm interested to know, how has motherhood changed you? I never knew you could love something so much, right? Mm -hmm. And we speak about love and, you know, we've all been through relationships and, and you love your partner and that's what we think love is. And then you have children, at least in my experience, it's a different sort of love. It's a very intense, it's a very connected like I made you, you came out of my body <laughs> and I did two at once. And let me tell you, it wasn't easy. They were eight pounds each. So it was not, wow. Wow. Um, they were huge. And so, you know, everything changes after you have them because now you have this duty to protect them. Mm-hmm. You've got a duty of care for your children that you ne- you know prior to that every was sort of everyone was responsible for themselves. You know, you love your family, you love your spouse, you you try to be, you know, what you can to to them. But when you have kids, it's you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Now it's I I need to make sure that these two little humans turn out to be the best versions of themselves and are guided uh, the way that they need to be and that I'm protecting them at any cost. And mm-hmm. so that's a different type of pressure. That's a yeah. different type of pressure, right? And so I think as mothers, we have to be easier on ourselves, uh, not even as mothers, I think as parents, because my I would say my husband is equally um, committed to making sure that he does, ev- that the kids are first, that he does mm-hmm. anything he can to make sure that they turn out to be good humans. And so I, I think with, with the kids, it's, that's what changed in me. It was, oh my God, I am responsible for you. And because of that, everything I just you know, I used to say to people, I never want to do anything in my life that I can't explain to my kids. Mm, that's so I, right. If I do something, even if it's litter and throw a piece of gum out of your mouth on the floor into, I'm like, how do I explain to my kids that I'm ruining their environment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. It's drastic. <laughs> that's an extreme thing. <laughs> but it's this, if I can't explain it to them, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to do it because, yeah. you know, it's it's just not the right thing. And so that's sort of my bar. Um, and that's what's changed in, you know, having children where I probably would have been a little bit more 
self-focus, that shifted substantially when I had them. And that's where I say balance is still key and I still struggle to find that balance. Totally understand. I'm a mom of three. I get it. You get it. You get it. (laughs) I totally get it. Okay. So before we go to the final segment, which is a rapid fire, I want you to tell the listeners where they can stay connected with you online to learn more from you and about you. Sure. Um, So I did. I'm working on my social media. I'm not great at it. I um, enlisted some help to run my Instagram account. So it's now open. And I can be found at Serena Anthony. I think it's just one word, all connected. Uh, yep. Serena Anthony is my Instagram. And then on, I'm also on LinkedIn. I don't have Twitter. Um, I just don't have the time to, to stay active there. Or my LinkedIn is also just my first, obviously my first and last name, Serena Anthony. And, and uh, you know, people want to reach out. They're more than free to do that on either platform. Awesome. So I will have all your direct links where they can contact you in the detailed section of the episode so they can just click and connect with you directly. They don't have to search Perfect. too far. Yeah, no, not at all. That's that's great. Thank you. And um, for the final segment of the show, it's like a rapid fire. You can answer one word or one sentence. What would you say is your superpower? Empathy. Mm, love it. If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? Live and be your true, authentic self. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything mm-hmm. on it, what would it say and why? She survived. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I actually, that's a really good question. A billboard, do you want to know where, where it could be? I, I would definitely want it in L.A., mm-hmm. um, close to the hills. I love L.A., and at some point I would love to settle there. What would it say? It's all tied, for me, everything is tied to authenticity. So it's just about living your truth. Maybe mm-hmm. live your truth. Love it. Love it. Is that okay. crazy? Okay. You know live that. your truth. Love it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do at night? The first thing I do in the morning is check my phone. And the last thing I do in the morning at night is check my phone. It's bad. <laughs> Um, they're they're both terrible, but that's the honest to God truth. I, I have to. I would. Pref- I wish I had said I meditate in the morning. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate yeah. your authenticity. It's a phone thing. Yeah, no, that's the truth. So there you have it. <laughs> okay, if you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Real. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, what's one thing you wish women would do more of? Self care. Totally agree. Thank you so much, yeah. Serena. Thank you for (laughs) sharing your story, your wisdom, your gems, your healing, all of it. Thank you so much for your energy. I truly, truly appreciate you. No, I appreciate you too, Makini. Congrats again on the success of this show. I love what you're doing. I think it's so important to have platforms where women especially can just hear from like-minded people who may be going through very similar things. I, I we When I say women need to focus more on self-care, I genuinely believe it. And I think what you do allows for that. And it, it fosters that sort of connection. So congrats on that and keep it up because very impressed with, with what you've built for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Women like yourself that come on and share your journey. I couldn't do this show without you guys. And these conversations are healing, not just for myself, but you know, the guest and the listeners. And I just have to thank you for making this possible. No problem. You're most welcome. (laughs) I was so happy to do it. I'm so happy to do it. 
if there's anything I can do to, to be of value to anything you're doing or to help, please let me know. I'd be happy to. I, I will. Thank you so much. Let's stay connected. And I look forward to that. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much, Thanks. Rena. To all you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show globally rank in the top 1.5% of most popular shows. And that's out of over 3 million podcasts. So thank you. And if you want to join the community of healers, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter at awakamystilettos.com to receive a free copy of my gratitude journal. And you can also grab a copy of any of my other personal development books available online anywhere books are sold. I'm going to challenge you to screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram with your aha moment or what resonated with you or what your takeaways were. We'd love to hear from you. You can tag Serena at Serena Anthony. You can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.